Urban Badiev. And he's a very, very famous Russian manager. Um, one of the top Russian managers uh, um, from the Russian Premier League. Uh, he famously uh, was at Rubin in Barcelona. Edo, welcome to a special edition of the No Choftes podcast. I'm your host, Stel, and joining me in this special edition, as I said, it's very special because, as you guys know, we're playing the opening match of the Europa Conference League. I think that's what it's called now, European Conference League. I don't know, but my guest is Paul Ashworth, former chief executive of Astana. Is it Astana FC or FC Astana? I don't know how, they, how it goes around there, Paul. Yeah, FC Astana FC is... Astana. Uh, I was generally known, but uh, no problem, Astana FC, the same. Brilliant, fantastic. Well, for those of you watching, uh, Paul, as I said, is a former chief exec. He knows our uh, opponents for Thursday. Um, Kairat, Kirat, I, I, I've asked you so many times how to pronounce it, and I keep forgetting it. Kairat, Paul? Kairat, yes, Kairat. Kairat. Yeah. FC Kairat, yeah. And um, so, yeah, what, what can you, t- first of all, they're based in Kazakhstan. Okay, um, what can you tell us about the football out there in terms of the the culture? Because in Cyprus, football is life. You know, football is also politics as well. Is it similar out there? Um, no, I wouldn't say it's, uh, if you like, as religious as Cyprus. Uh, um, so Cyprus and England are the same, that uh, football is the number one sport here. There's uh, hockey, ice hockey, um, cycling, um, uh, I see, or oh, Astana uh, cycling team actually had Lance Armstrong in, in the team many years ago, and they're the second in the world. Wow. Um, uh, so there, there's many sports here. I wouldn't say football was politically as popular as uh, it would be in Cyprus or England, um, but it's still an important uh sport and uh, um. FC Astana actually have five times qualified for either Champions League or uh, Europa League. This is before the conference. Um, and I was lucky enough to be there when we were in the Europa League. I was chief executive when we were in the Europa League and we played against Manchester United and actually beat, Man- actually beat Manchester United at, at home 2-1, which uh, helps grow football and the popular- popularity of football within Astana. And within Kazakhstan, um, we had a full stadium of 30,000 people that night. Um, and unfortunately, that was just before COVID. And then COVID hit, uh, I think, four or five months later. And then just like any any country in the world, football has been severely affected. Mm. Was that the game when Lingard scored, if I'm not mistaken? Did Lingard score uh, that one? Uh, yeah, I think Lingard scored the opener. Jesse Lingard scored the, yeah. the opener uh, to go one nil up, and then uh, both our fullbacks actually scored the, the goals, or one was an own goal um, <laughs> from a fullback uh, to win 2 1, which was a magical night for a club like FC Astana, which is uh, obviously a, a, from a small football country. Um, and I wish Ammonia the same uh, success and hope that. They will get a similar night one day. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Paul. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, so what is it about that nation then? Because I, I've noticed it's very, how can I put it? It sounds like Russian. I heard you speaking. It sounded very Russian in 
in the, the tone is it obviously it's in, it's in that part of the world but what's the national language yeah well obviously uh kazakhstan is ex-soviet union um so uh and they're very close to russia we're on the border of russia and mainly uh um although kazakh is the official first language everybody speaks russian i would say right. russian is is the number one language and the language within football, the languages in everyday life, depending on which city you're in in Kazakhstan, but in the capital here in Astana, Russia is used uh, more than Kazakh, I would say. Um, and so uh, um, very Russian-based um, uh, language, um, although Kazakh is completely different to Russian. But I, I speak Russian, but unfortunately not Kazakh. Well, you do well in Cyprus because there's a city called Limassol and we joke that it's called Little Russia because there's about 20,000 Russians living. <laughs> so, yeah, they've all, they've all gone to Cyprus now, you know? Well, you know. well, well I, I love Cyprus. I've been to Cyprus uh, oh, you have? many times. I've taken football teams many times for pre-season tours in uh, February. I must have been seven or eight times. Um and uh, uh, so I love Cyprus as a country and I love it in football terms as well. Oh, so you know about our league then? Well, actually, we signed, I signed a player called Piero Sotirio, who's uh, the centre forward for Cyprus national team. I signed him from FC Copenhagen to come to FC Astana. So I do know a lot about uh, Cypriot football. Oh, lovely. There you go. Well, we host a, a Cypriot uh, football podcast on a different platform so maybe you can jump on with us and, and discuss some of the games that we that we review that wow I didn't know that there Paul so you learn something new every day you're a very travelled man yep <laughs> <laughs> so what yep. what can you, what can you tell us about Omonia's opponents then because I've prior to the tournament the draw being made I'd heard of them but I knew absolutely nothing I still know relatively nothing about them the only thing I know is that Wagner love plays for them who did very well for Seska Moscow, I believe. But that's yep. about it in terms of my football knowledge for the club. Well, okay. Well, first of all, Kairat is the other side of the, the or Almaty. It's Kairat Almaty. Almaty is the city. Capital is the biggest city in uh, Astana, with, uh, sorry, in Kazakhstan with 2 million people. Astana has 1 million people. Uh, but about when they broke up from the Soviet Union, they moved from Astana, from Almaty, and made a new capital, Astana, because it was more central. Um, and politically, the, the, uh, the capital became uh, Astana, which actually now, since I've been here, they've changed the name to Nur Sultan. Um, so the city is no longer called Astana. But uh, um, Almaty is a beautiful city, historic city, two million people. The football club uh, is was bought uh, and owned by a rich businessman, Baron Baev, his name is. Um, and uh, he has done a fantastic job with the football club. They have by far the best academy in Kazakhstan. They have two uh, fantastic training grounds, one for the first team and one for the academy with hotel, state-of-the-art, European top, top European uh, si uh, club um, facilities. Um, and, and he's put a lot of money into the academy, a lot of money into the training facilities, and also a lot of money into the team. So 
he he really deserves uh, to be in this situ- situation for the uh, amount of money that uh, he's invested and not just thrown away the money. Also, uh, he's built a structure there. So what can you tell us about the, the club system, the philosophy, the manager, the players? Well, the uh, philosophy is really to try and produce academy players. Um, but... Uh, that's it's, it's very difficult in uh, a country like Kazakhstan to produce young players because the standard of the league is high here um, and is very competitive to fight to get into this sort of situation. And uh, they, they've got a lot of money, so they pay for top foreign stars like Wagner Love a lot of money to, to play. Um, to So for younger players, it's very difficult to break into the team. Um, so... Philosophy-wise, ideally, a team like Kairat would like all Kazakh young players, but that hasn't happened. Maybe that will happen later. And uh, they've got a lot of foreign players, quite high salaries, I would imagine higher salaries than Ammonia or Cyprus in general. Um, and, uh, um, and their aim, they won the league last, last year, but their, their aim obviously is to do as well as possible in uh, the new conference league. So what about the, uh, the tactics, the, the star players, the standout players? Is there anything we should really be looking out for well, tomorrow? Yeah. So the manager had just t- taken over, uh, I think, the game they qualified for the Conference League, the, game, the, the last game of the Conference League where they, basically they'd already qualified. He's just taken over. His name's Kurban Badiev. And he's a very, very famous Russian manager. Um, one of the top Russian managers uh, um, from the Russian Premier League. Uh, he famously uh, was at Rubin Kazan when Rubin Kazan beat Barcelona in Barcelona. Oh, wow, okay. Um, uh, he's a very, very good tactician, um, uh, a very, very good coach. Mainly he plays from defence. He's, he's uh, mainly he concentrates defensively and plays on the counter-attack. But he's only been with the team a few weeks, so how it's going to turn out in this actual game, I don't know. But I, I'm going to imagine that uh, his concentration is going to be in defence. And he's very detailed, very thorough. Um, and one of the top managers, uh, certainly in this area, but I would say one of the top managers head coaches in the world I think he, he's uh, he, he's really really good coach so um, you, you say they build for they, they um, base their system from a defensive aspect and, and play on the counter side which is something that we do as well especially in European games last season we qualified for the um, Europa League for the first time in our history in fact the first group stages of any competition for the first time in our history and a lot of the games that we played be it against Granada against PSV Eindhoven or Bauk Salonika we played a very rigid 4-4-2 um, like to sit back hit them on the counter attack in fact the only the only games that we changed our system were Granada away and Bauk at home where we played like a 3-4-2-1 um, so the emphasis is on defending counter attack I think because recently we've conceded a lot of goals um, from either midfielders making runs from deep or the ball pinged into the box from out wide. It's almost as if our, our fullbacks or our wide men allow their players to get the ball and give them time to put the ball into the box. Is there anyone from 
um, the, the wide areas that will cause us problems, do you know? Um, well, it depends what system he plays because they have been playing uh, 4-4-2 or 4-2-3-1 or times 4-3-3. But uh, Badiafi, um often plays three at the back or five at the back. So it depends what system he plays. I don't imagine they'll be getting many crosses in. I don't imagine that's his style of his style of play. I think ideally he, they would like to sit on the counter, sit sit back and hit you on the counter attack. But if both teams are trying to hit each other on the counter attack, obviously that doesn't work out. Um, they they have some they have some good players. So obviously you've mentioned uh, Wagner Love, who uh, he, although he's thirty seven years old, he scored seven seven goals in eighteen games this season. Last year he was their top top scorer. Um, and he's a great finisher. He, he's uh, he, although he's 37, he's he doesn't look 37. And in a game like this, I, I'm sure he'll be dangerous. Um, they they've get, then got uh, Shoshana Jeff, who's a 23 year old Kazakh who scored nine goals in 13 games. Another centre forward. Um, and they've got uh, uh, a Guinean uh, forward called Kante, who's also scored nine goals in 17 games. Um, so they've got three goal-scoring uh, forwards who could be a handful uh, for you on the night. What about in the middle of the park then? Because I'm I'm assuming we're going to go with Jordi Gomez and Bashiru in the middle. Uh, Bashiru joined us a few weeks ago from Nottingham Forest, came with a, a very big reputation from Malmo and Ostersunds. I spoke to Ian Birchnell about, um, about the player and he rates him very, very highly and he made his debut against Antwerp and he looked as if he's been at the club for five or six years. He's a very good midfielder. The only problem is I wouldn't say he's a ball winning midfielder. And that player that we have, unfortunately, Gusolo, who he's injured, he's got a knee problem and he won't be playing. So in terms of ball retention, have they got any players in the middle of the park that perhaps we should either A, worry about from a creative perspective or B, do they have like a ball winner themselves that we, we should say, right, you know, he'll be running around, buzzing around everywhere. Well, uh, they did have uh, last season a player called Goralski, who plays for the national team of Poland, but he did his cruciate ligaments in pre-season and he's just coming back. I'd imagine he, uh, he definitely won't play this game, but I'd imagine he'll be nine months, he'll be out for nine months. So I'm not sure he'll be, uh, I think he'll be back early next year or maybe the November uh, fixture. So maybe he'll play. Uh, the last game when they play you, but he's a very, very good ball winning uh, Kante type, uh, type player who uh, gets around the park and wins the ball, and uh, and they really do miss him. But they've got um, they've got uh, a player called Ibikin who's uh, um, quite feisty, wins the ball, but he has he's already had two red cards this season, uh, and. Uh, um, he can get himself in trouble at, at times. And then they've got a Belarusian called Polyakov, uh, who's played for the national team of Belarus. Um, and uh, um, two decent players, but I don't think anything to worry about. So what would you say are their weaknesses? The last couple of rounds we've played against sides whose goalkeepers haven't been particularly uh, impressive. Flora's goalkeeper flat at everything. And uh, while the Antwerp goalkeeper saved a couple in the shootout, he still looked a little bit raw. 
Um, would you say that they've got a goalkeeping issue or defensively, is that a, a weak point for them? Um, well, Pukatilov, uh, the uh, uh, goalkeeper, sometimes plays for the national team. He's tall, strong, he'll come out. Um, I would say he's okay. He's not a flapper. He's uh, fairly stable, but nothing special. Uh, defensively, I think they're a little bit weak, but with the new coach, he'll be working hard on uh, on them defensively. They've got Dugalic, who's from Serbia, and Alip, who's a, a good 21-year-old national team player for Kazakhstan. So they've got some good defenders, but uh, over the past, uh, uh, well, this year, certainly, they've been a little bit weak uh, defensively. So whether the coach can get into them, uh, concentrate more defensively in this, this short uh, period of time will be interesting to see tomorrow night. If you ask me before he joined, I would say their weakness is defensively. Um, they could be a bit vulnerable. So you think that the um, the adjustment of making three central defenders has obviously bolstered their defensive prowess? Well, I don't know whether they'll play three, to be honest. I, I mean, I looked at... Uh, the last game, uh, I, I didn't see the game, the last uh, conference, the, the qualification to get into the conference league. Um, and on the team sheet, you said they played four. But then uh, when I read the report afterwards, it said they played five. So often uh, coaches in, especially especially uh, Russian coaches, they'll put on the team sheet, it's a 4-4-2. And then when you go and watch the t- team play, they're, it's obvious they're playing a three or <laughs> a, a five. I know uh, we had a coach here that every time he put four four two, and we I knew we were playing four three three. And the time we played four four two, he'd put four three three down on the team sheet to try. And, <laughs> uh, uh, well, I don't understand it to be honest, because within two seconds, you know uh, how they're gonna how they're gonna play and. Uh, if you do your research, you know that coach always does it anyway. So mm, absolutely, uh, but but it's possible he could put on the team sheet they're playing four four two and end up playing five. Well, th- this is it. We know that Henningberg will play one of three systems. Who either go four four two, four two three one, or four four one one. Those are the three preferred systems. As I said before, last season he played three four two one maybe twice out of all the games that we play. These including league, cup, Europe. So he's a four-four-two kind of guy. So he, you know, listen, he's our he's our head coach, and he learned from Sir Alex Ferguson and Kenny Dalglish. You know, so <laughs> would be smart. But do you think Kairat fans know anything about Omonia? When I spoke to the um, the Antwerp fan, he knew absolutely nothing about our club, and I had to point out a few players, and he only knew one when I said his name, and that's only because he played in Belgium before. Uh, no, I'd imagine uh, they all they know is uh, what they've read off the internet. Okay. Um, uh, uh, obviously, like Armonia, uh, um, how much they know about uh, Kairat, I would imagine it'd be a, a similar thing. Neither are big clubs. Uh, um, so rea- in reality, mm. they will know they're from Cyprus. Cyprus, they've done well to qualify. Um, and they will see them as a similar... That, well. Kairat's fans will see that Kairat should win the game. That's how they'll 
That's understandable. That's not, I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much do you think their their wage budget is on a, on a weekly basis, or how much do you think the, the the actual team put together is valued at? What would you say? Well, the overall value, I don't know, but Wagner Love is reported to be on a hundred grand a month. Whoa, <laughs> bloody hell! <laughs> I, w- I would imagine the, the others are on between 20 and 30 a month. Uh, Still like close to 300 grand a year, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, but Wagner Love is reported to be on uh, a million a year. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, look, our, our team, I think the highest paid player is probably on about 300k a year, I'd say. That's probably the most. Uh, that, yeah, that, that would be one of their uh, middle time middle players 300k yeah. uh, a year maybe one or two of the younger players are on less um but the uh, the foreigners certainly would be on probably on about 300, money, yeah. 300k and then there'll be the superstars who are on as i said Wagner loves reported to be on a million a year you never know yeah well the thing is paul uh, last season we kept 17 clean sheets in our last 21 22 games um, and we had a solid back line, uh, a lot of internationals. We had Shehu at right back, who's a Nigerian international. Uh, we've got Jan Lesiak, who he's from the Czech Republic, but he's played for the likes of Hydric Split. He's, uh, no, sorry, Dimo Zagreb. He's played uh, for young boys um, on the cusp of reaching the um, the Czech national team for, for the Euros, actually. He didn't make it, unfortunately. But, um, then we've got Adam Lang as central defender, who was at the hung- um, Euros with Hungary. Thomas Huberchan that won the uh, Europa League with Zenit, St. Petersburg. Um, and at the time, we had Michael Lufner, who we had on loan from FC Copenhagen, who I think might have been, might have been uh, Copenhagen at the same time as Sotirio, I'm not sure. But he joined us on loan for a couple of seasons. And that, and that back line was absolutely solid. We've got Fabi, Fabiano in goal, a Brazilian goalkeeper who had spells at FC Porto and, uh, and uh, Fenerbahce. But this season, with, with Lufner gone, we've lacked... That um, how should we say that organization at the back? Because Michael was the one that organized the back line, and this season we've conceded, I think it's been 10 goals in eight games, which based on last season is a disaster. And when you look at the senior players like your Adam Langs, like your Thomas Huberchans, who aren't talking, and that's what I said on the previous podcast when we reviewed the game at the weekend, which we lost 2 1, there were silly mistakes being made because there isn't any organization. So if you're saying that the likes of you know, Wagner Love and the other two players that you mentioned are, are got proper goal scorers, we're going to have a problem. Because right now, the the, the organisation, the discipline at the back is all over the place. I mean, I could send you a link of a, an analysis video I did of the goals that we conceded and you, you, you'll be facepalm moments constantly. Uh, still, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're right, but there's one consideration that uh, um, on the, in these European games... Uh, that not many people consider uh, during the game. And that is you you are travelling in a different time zone. Uh, So it's a three hours different time zone. I would imagine around about six or seven hour, six six hour flight, staying in a a strange country and playing on an AstroTurf pitch, which is not used to. That's really tough. Um, And I know that from working at Astana who uh, who uh, beat top, top sides, Benfica, drew with Benfica, drew with Atletico Madrid, uh, beat Manchester United, as I, I've said. Top, top sides have come to this stadium and lost games 
Scotland lost three 0 to Kazakhstan here on this stadium. I remember. I remember uh, that. Yeah. And simply because it's unusual. Um, f- uh, the time zone is a big difference for players uh, because uh, a, a, especially travelling from west to east, um, that apparently that's slightly harder to do uh, with your body clock. Um, although effectively your time is three o'clock or four o'clock in the, in the day. It seems strange, but uh, the, the travelling from west to east apparently is the, the most difficult yeah. uh, what will be difficult with the, the getting used to the AstroTurf pitch. The big advantage is that you're playing Kairat who normally play on a grass pitch. And uh, uh, so they won't have as much an advantage getting used to the AstroTurf pitch um, as we had uh, training on it every single day. But that, that's one thing that, um, uh, that probably, probably, Whatever happens, the players will play at a lower standard away uh, than you will play when you're at home. So I would say, if I was ammonia working in Cyprus, ammonia, that you try and get something out of the game. Because once you take them back to Cyprus, then it, it's the opposite. They will, fight, they will have the problems. You'll be on your pitch. You'll have your crowd, etc. They'll have the travelling to do. So I would say, honestly, if you get a draw, that's a good result um, uh, in the longer term. What, what would the weather be like, Paul? I know people are going well, to ask quite, me, Well, it's, I think it's predicted during the day 24 plus 24. So uh, um, you're playing them at a good time, uh, 24, because... In November, uh, it will be minus 25, minus 30. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, so so no it, so weather-wise, you couldn't... The first game is uh, is the most important. Weather-wise, is, is a lucky draw. That's good. That's good. We'll take that. We'll take that. But it's, it's a bit of a, a topsy-turvy group because you've got FC Basel, you've got Omonia... Uh, where it's always sunny in Cyprus, more often than not. I mean, I'm going to October, it's going to be about 30 degrees. Right? It was 47. I don't know what it is now, 40, 45 right now. Um, but then, obviously, Karabag and uh, Astana and, and uh, Kairat, apologies. So you've got yeah. completely different time zones, completely different uh, weather, everything. But yeah, can you tell us about the stadium then? Because you mentioned before we started recording about the stadium and how it's not even Kairat Stadium. It's going to be Astana's. You mentioned the AstroTurf. What's, what's the atmosphere going to be like? Do you think it's going to be packed? No, I would imagine that uh, it'll be quite empty, really, because uh, um, to travel from Almaty to Astana is a two-hour plane ride. Um 19-hour drive. Wow. Um, uh, Kazakhstan is the eighth eighth biggest country in the world. It's a huge country. So there won't be that many Kairat fans. I would say two or 3,000. Maybe you're talking about 5,000 in a 30,000 uh, uh, stadium. That's what I would imagine. Might get up to 10,000, but uh, I would imagine about five. That's built about... 12 years ago. It has a roof. I think the roof will be open because uh, it's, uh, it's obviously it's, it's warm. Um, but uh, they'll open. The, the, but even so, the dynamics in the stadium, even though there's 5,000, they will sound like uh, 15,000, 20,000. 
Um, and it will it'll be a good atmosphere, but when you look in the stands, you'll think there's hardly any people. Mm. You know what it's like if you have 5,000 in a 30,000 stadium, it looks like it, it's empty. Yeah, yeah. And the crowd makes a, a big, big difference. We, we played the Antwerp in the first leg and it was the stadium was rocking. Granted, we, we've been ground sharing with Upwell for, for a long time, the Ghazi B, which is the national stadium, as you're aware. Um, but it was rocking that night and we were we were a goal down and we ended up being, winning the game 4-2. We obliterated them second half. Um, but the one thing I, I want to ask you, how do you think they will cope with a side that plays the ball quickly? Because the last game, my main criticism, Mamonia's last game, was that the players were holding on to the ball for too long. But when we've had to step it up, we've got the players that are able to, you know, one touch, give and go. Do you think... Um, our opponents will be able to cope with that level of, of football, that style of play? Uh, well, they're, they're not in their best state at the moment, and that's why they changed, changed their coach. But uh, um, uh, Kazakhstan is, is not bad standard uh, league. Um, and so, you know, if they play against Astana, then Astana play the ball quickly. So I, I don't imagine... Uh, uh, th- I would imagine they'll cope fairly easily. Has the domestic season started? When are they? Yeah, the domestic season is from March to November, so we're over halfway through. Oh wow! And, and Kairat are sitting third uh, in the table, which is really disappointing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's why they've well, they've already had two changes of coaches. So they've, they've effectively got they've, they've effectively got more of an advantage. Because we've played, we played the Super Cup game. We played Dinamo two, four, six. Yeah, we played about eight games this season. Whereas they played fifteen. That, they, they, they'd have played 20, 25 games 20, 25, this season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh, um, yeah, I, I always think. Uh, I mean, I've worked in uh, Latvia. I've worked in Russia. I've worked in uh, Kazakhstan. When you have this the uh, the uh, March to November uh, season, it's always an advantage for those sides because they're generally halfway through the season, and you know your best side. You know uh, um, you can understand your side when you're halfway through the season. At the start of the season, players that did well last last year might not perform in that that season. You might have new players to blood in. So yes, of course, it's an advantage. Uh, uh, to be halfway through the season for Kairat. Brilliant. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time, mate. It's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, your knowledge is is incredible. And, um, you know, I hope you find a, a role very soon because, you know, you, okay. n- n- seeing what you, you've done over the years, you know, as you mentioned, you've been in, you've been in Latvia. Uh, you've been, do you, do you know what a Dubov, by the way? Does the name ring a bell? Roman Dubov. <laughs> Oh, uh, he's yeah. Uh, he is he the president of Riga? Yeah, but he also owns FC Buffalo in Cyprus. Yes, 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 yes. I don't know him personally, but I've I've heard no, of him. Yeah, yeah. So you guys yeah, see, yeah. There's, there's a big influence. Yeah, so, well, yeah. When I was at my last club was Venspils, and we beat FC Riga in the final of the cup. So uh, um, <laughs> that was a, a good moment. That was before I came to Astana, and uh, um, he's done a great job at FC Riga. He's building a. Um, Great infrastructure there at uh, FC Riga. Um, and they've won the league, I think, the last three years. Looks like they're going to miss out this year. 
Mm-hmm. Um, um, but they've they've uh, built a good club at FC Riga, and uh, um, I know uh, I know he's got a club in Cyprus, mm. and and uh, I think they're heavily linked. That's right. That's right. And very quickly, you spent a bit of time in Nigeria as well. Yeah. Yeah. As as a coach, now we've got three Nigerian players in our team. We've got uh, Uzoho, the goalkeeper, who's an international. We've got Shehu, who's also an international. And um, Iai, who's on loan from um, Dinamo Zagreb. So we've got three Nigerian players in our team. So there you go. Well, I had uh, five years in Nigeria. Um, and uh, I bet um, you got some stories. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some stories from every country that I've been to. But, uh, um, uh, I had uh, a great time. I love the Nigerian people. Great people. And what a hotbed of football. I mean, you're talking about passion in Cyprus. Wait till you go to Nigeria. And what raw talent. They've got 200 million people there, all football mad, and some really, really good players, uh, young players. Yeah. Um, it's a really, really top football country which hasn't been developed. And if they had an infrastructure and a proper structure there in Nigeria – they should be in the top 10 in the world, definitely, with the talent they've got. 100%. But, but unfortunately, up until 15, 16, they've got the raw talent. But after that, they seem to die away or go to Europe. As you said, you've got three Nigerians, and I'm sure they're all top people, uh, humble, uh, religious, probably, uh, 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 people, athletes, work hard for the team, and uh, I'm sure not having uh, seen you play, to be honest, I'm sure that they're good players as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We love them to bits as well. And I, and I joke about with uh, with one of them in particular because um, we, we've got a, a striker or forward called Ernest Asante, who's from Ghana. And I know Ernest very, very well. And um, our right-back, Shea, who's from Nigeria. And uh, I interviewed Ernest with my co-host, Roy, one time. In fact, end of the season, I said to him, so who makes the better Jolof? I says, you are a... You are Shehu. He goes, ah, oh, forget Shehu, man. So we started something called um, Joloff Wars now. You know, who makes the better job? So, yeah, it's a little joke that we have. But this is the thing with our players because they're very close with the supporters. And I think that's what makes us, makes Omonia the standout club in Cyprus because the players acknowledge the supporters and vice versa. And there's that interaction, be it on social media, be it out in public. And the players feed off the fans' energy and they know what it means to support the club, but they also know what it means to play for the club. And I think there's that pride. And I've, I've in the in the two three years that we've had Henningberg, I can't turn around and say that one player's down tools. They they always give their their hundred percent, and that's all we can ask for. To be fair, well, I know it's a given, but and, and uh, Stella, I wish uh, I'm only the best of luck. Um, it, you know, I'm not necessarily supporting. Kairat, because I live in, in Kazakhstan, I watch a game with, with interest, but I, uh, as I said, I've been to Cyprus so many times. I've got a lot of friends in Cyprus. Um, so I really wish uh, you you good luck in the uh, in qualification for the next round. I don't think it's out of your reach. You never know in football. Um, it's possible to get through to the last 16 and uh, it'll be amazing if uh, a small club in Cyprus relatively small club in Cyprus can do that. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're kind of in our rival shadow at this moment in time because they don't let us forget 
their final eight appearance in the uh, Champions League. But like I say to them on, on social media, which winds them up, where's your trophy? You don't win anything for getting the quarterfinals and they hate that. But again, Paul, thank you so much for your time, mate. And um, can, can anyone get in touch with you through social media? Have you got like a like an Instagram or a, or a Twitter or anything like that? Maybe they can ask you some questions about clubs in Kazakhstan. Um, well, no, I don't have uh, uh, social media. <laughs> don't blame you. I don't blame you. I don't have Twitter. I, I, because I've been a head coach in five different countries, um, it's quite difficult for head coaches uh, when you've got social so social media. Um, you get you you can get a lot of abuse, and uh, my theory was all, always don't read anything uh, from the press or the social media because it can influence your coaching. Of course. Well, Paul, thank you. Oh, so, so sorry, about, sorry about that. No, that's uh, fine. That's fine. We'll, they can get in touch with me and I'll, I'll be sure to ask you. Yeah, and, uh, sure. Anything, but sure. Yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, I'm available at any time if anybody wanted to ask any questions. It's no problem. It's not that I'm aloof. It's just uh, my experience uh, um, was, uh, and I've been taught to try and keep off as a coach, keep off yeah. social media, which I've always Darn. done. Don't blame me for a second, mate. <laughs> well, that's it, boys and girls. Thank you very much for tuning in. Hopefully, we'll get the result that we want and kickstart our season because it's been a bit of a nervy few weeks. A lot of people getting a bit impatient, but like I said, it's a process. Trust the manager. Last season, we went eight games without a win, five games without scoring, and people saying, get rid of the manager. What happened? We went 21 games unbeaten. Ended up winning our first title in 10-11 years. So trust the process, trust the manager. And until next time, Gobelia, bummish you luck. Like.